Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Almost 30 Nation. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Thanks for being here. We are two best friends who started the show seven years ago. We've been rocking and rolling ever since. Mm-hmm. Everything from spirituality to relationships to sex to career to everything in between. The weird and the woo-woo included. But today we're talking about one of your favorite topics, sex. You guys love sex. <laughs> are you repressed (laughs) the curiosity is so real but I totally get it I totally get it this is not a topic that I feel like is one people feel super comfortable talking about even though they would love to feel comfortable talking about it and I feel like anytime we see it in the mainstream media it's always like this weird awkward corny conversation I was thinking about when you're talking which is not a good way to be a good listener but just how obsessed we are with kind of the topic of sex and I was thinking about growing up in high school and college, how people were so open to talk about sex. Yeah. Where a lot of the times I would hang out with girls, it would be talking specifically in so many details about sex. But it was always about the act and never really about intimacy or nothing really beyond the physical elements of sex and none about foreplay, none about conversation, none about consensuality there's just so many aspects that we really miss in pop culture and society especially when there's podcasts or shows or conversations specifically about like the raunchiness of sex where you really miss out on the intimacy the communication the special aspects of what makes sex so special in relationship totally yeah it was always about the raunch part oh yeah it's very much like how big, how small, how long, how, mm-hmm. not just the dick, but like how long we're having <laughs> sex, like how many times, yes. which was all well and good. And in today's conversation, we'll have those moments of talking about fun positions and things like that. But like, there is so much more to having a really beautiful, intimate and fulfilling sexual experience that we were never, ever taught. Yes. So to be learning now and like practicing now better late. Than never, but it takes some reprogramming. I've definitely had many a moment in the bedroom where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the part of me that really leans on being like either hypersexual or goes faster or whatever it is. There's just aspects that you have to catch in the moment and be able to just make another choice. Mm-hmm. 100%. I did my retreat in Mexico my pleasure and intimacy retreat with Simone Farshi. That was a solo retreat where I did full learning and rewiring of pleasure and my body and sexuality because I've always thought in my mind, you know, in this lifetime, in this experience, all the things that I'm going to do were all the ways I'm going to grow. And I always felt like sexuality would happen in another lifetime. I love sex. I love having sex with my partners, but It never felt like something I'd really go deep on. It never felt like a door that I would walk through as like Mm -hmm. a method of my growth. But it's 
yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. And just seeing all the ways that it impacts other areas of your life, like creativity, like embodiment, like self-acceptance, it's really, really powerful. And in our conversation with Emily, it was really good to talk about the things that are holding us back from having good sex. So whether that's judgment of yourself, emotional trauma, there's so many aspects of our lives and the way that we were brought up or the way that we're interacting with society and culture that really keep us from having that really good sex. And when we talk about good sex, it's not just like the movie sex. Mm -hmm. It's like embodied, relaxed, deep, loving, or whatever it is. It's that good sex as defined by you and your body and your nervous system. Yeah. I think relaxed is definitely a key word because if I think back to just sex in my 20s. I don't know if there was a relaxed bone Mm -hmm. in my body unless I was drinking a lot. Yeah. And I think that's why I would drink where I would feel a bit more relaxed. I would feel more in my body even though I really wasn't. But I would feel a bit more liberated because sober, the mind is really doing a number and trying to just interject in every moment because there's so many opportunities to feel embarrassed, ashamed, vulnerable too much too little I think an important piece for me has been like trust to be able to trust a partner not only in a safety aspect but really like to see me and to also hold space and for me to hold space as well for like the exploration rather than just this like transaction to happen in a very you know, contracted way. Yeah. In Way of the Superior Man by David Data, he talks about that. He's like, if you're not having that type of sex, you're really just like rubbing organs together Yeah, to get a response. And it's so interesting because I think when you come to the table with a partner, whether it's a romantic partner or someone you're just hooking up with casually, there's this assumption that we know what we're doing. And you're like, I know how to have sex. And it's put this here. Totally. Whether it's heterosexual or not. It's like, this goes here. This happens here. That's really not, there's so much more to it. So much more. Especially with different people. Like you actually, if you're having sex with someone for the first time, again, heterosexual or not, you actually have no idea how it goes because everyone is so different. Everyone likes such different things. So it's truly a new experience, whether it's with a partner every time or even with a partner you've seen more than once. Like it can be new every single time because your body changes, your Mm -hmm. taste changes. You're going to heal differently. You're going to be more communicative, all of these different things. And that's why I loved in our conversation when we talked about communication as that like lubrication. And also that is the gateway to getting to know, even if it's a new partner, same partner, like every single time, I feel like there needs to be that clear form of communication, whether it's during, before, after, so that there's... I mean, it sounds unsexy, but almost like this data collection of just like seeking to understand the other in a deeper way rather than so hyper-focused on either what they didn't do or what you didn't do. It's like this is a learning process and an exploration that might not ever get to a destination, but that's the point. Yeah, my last relationship, that was so helpful. And I just remember that feeling of and that reminder that I was given of we're going to have sex again. (laughs) That ease where you're like, oh, like every time 
doesn't have to be doesn't yeah. have to be the craziest it doesn't it doesn't have to continue to progress to crazier and crazier exactly. and better and better like exactly the co- you don't need to do more costumes you know you don't need to do more all these I things you're gonna say cock rings you don't need to do more cock rings you can do just one <laughs> One type of butt plug. But when you're younger, you know, I felt like that's what it was. I'm like, oh, we have to continue to keep it spicy and interesting and all these things. You have to continue to outdo yourself. And when you're in like an intimate relationship for a long time, it's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Like we can have, this one can be maintenance. This one Mm -hmm. can be super deep. This one can be Mm -hmm. whatever. And we can feel really good about wherever we're at because we know that we're just practicing every single time. Yes. Things that feel good for both of us. Yeah. And I think communicating that with your partner where there's that understanding, because I think one usually gets a little insecure about, oh, it it hasn't been as frequent. I remember, oh my God, I used to freak out. Yeah. I'm like, we are only having sex every day. He thinks I'm ugly. I'm disgusting. And I knew it all along. (laughs) He's cheating on me because we're only having sex. It's like crazy. Mm -hmm. But also now as adult, finding intimacy in other ways, I think is so nice and surprising i think there's like many moments where like i've been surprised just how intimate an experience can be and there's no sex involved and you still get that feeling i am pumped i love this so in this episode with emily morse of sex with emily she is a doctor of human sexuality and she's host of the podcast sex with emily she's a master class instructor on sex and communication she previously had a show on sirius xm And her book is out now, and it is called Smart Sex. So during this conversation, we talked about what's holding you back from your best sex. We talked about releasing pain. We talked about sex IQ, so the five pillars of sexual intelligence. We talked about how to relax into your body during sex, which is something that we all need to know. We talk about what to do when you have a shifting of attraction in your partner. So if you've been with your partner for a long time, or a short time and you find yourself either less attracted or more attracted, what do you do in that situation? And we also talked about non-monogamy. So this is a conversation that might just be happening in LA and Austin, but I feel like (laughs) so many people are exploring and trying to understand non-monogamous relationships. So what it would be like in one, how do you know if you are ready to be in one, what can you do if you are in a non-monogamous relationship, and how to understand if that could be something that would work for you. Love it. I was just thinking, I'm like, I would love to know what states have the most non-monogamous Austin people. I think, I think. I think those are the communities I interact with most. So I, but I don't think Texas as a whole. A hundred percent. And I don't know if California as a whole. I'm like, there might be some weird ass states that are like really ripping it under the radar. That is so (laughs) true. I'm also curious about too, this is something I've thought about, the correlation between socioeconomic status and being non-monogamous, mm-hmm. being in a open relationship seems to be something that people with a higher socioeconomic status are exploring more mm. because it's the men that have access to so much money. So they have the power to choose. So then they make it like they're, they run the world because they have the money. So they trade money for sex. Then women are with men that are richer. Yeah, They can truly choose it and be like, I want to be non-monogamous. They're trading sex. They're trading money within the relationship. I don't think that's happening across the board, but I've thought about it's that not as like, a trend. It's not like paying for sex. It's not, but, yes. Okay. But that's like I to clarify. kind of the trade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're with a man that's yes. very rich and kind and potentially and loves you, but yeah. That's super interesting. And there's a freedom too. You know, when someone's when it's a very rich man, they have that sort of freedom forward attitude 
and kind of like the rebel mentality of belief they can do sort of whatever they want mm-hmm. and they can live in whatever way, which is true. None of it's bad or good. I'm just saying this is sort of what I've witnessed. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, enjoy this one, everyone. If you found it to be super interesting, share it with a friend. Maybe yes. this would be like a good one to like chat with girlfriends about maybe or maybe even a partner. Love that. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. And we do have another podcast, Morning Microdose. This is our Clips podcast. And really our intention in creating this show was to set the tone for your day. This is the best of the best from almost 30, inspiring and funny, and just will get you curious and really kind of in that energy that you hope to be in for the rest of the day. So subscribe now. Almost 30 podcast on TikTok and Instagram. I love our TikToks and Instagrams. They're just popping off lately. Almost30.com for all of our courses and programs and membership. Our membership is an incredible space and community where like-hearted people connect all over the world on personal growth, self-development, spirituality, and wellness. And I'm really grateful that you're here. We love you so, so, so much. We'll see you soon. Okay, small daily actions. Ah, They just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. (laughs) So one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, And I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation or maybe read part of the book that you're loving. Uh, or maybe you integrate a healthy habit, like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, and I've noticed a difference when I don't take it. Um, I forgot on vacation a few months ago and I noticed a difference. I was bloated. I wasn't as regular. I started to get a little breakout on my chin. Things were just going haywire. Um, so I'm just so thankful for seed. If you are someone who wants to support your gut or your skin digestion, your gut barrier integrity, oh, I recommend seed. Their DSO-1 daily symbiotic is incredible. What is different about Seed? So Seed's patented capsule and capsule design is so unique. It basically means that the fragile bacteria within the capsule can survive the journey. So from like shipping to your door to when you put it in your body all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, And this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. They are the best in the space. Um, So I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25almost.
Okay, this app has been with me through seasons of wanting to prevent pregnancy and also get pregnant. The app is Natural Cycles. It is a leading women's health company that they created the world's first FDA-cleared birth control app. So the app's algorithm uses hormone-driven changes in body temperature to let users know when they're fertile and not fertile. It is so easy, y'all. Every single morning I wake up, I have the uh, thermometer on my bedside table, and then I take my temperature, I input the temperature into the app, and boom, there you go. Um, It is 93% effective with typical use and 98% effective with perfect use. It's pretty incredible. Um, I know a lot of people are just thinking about their birth control. Uh, A lot of people are going off hormonal birth control. This is an incredible incredible, incredible option for you. I've been using it for a couple years now. Um, and again, it is so easy. So the algorithm uses the body temperature to determine where a user is at in their cycle. The more they measure, the more data it will have. Um, and if you have an aura ring, by the way, it syncs with your aura ring and it'll take your temperature automatically. Pretty cool. You can trust Natural Cycles for the past 10 years. They have been setting the precedent for non-hormonal and non-invasive birth control without sacrificing effectiveness. They were the first to introduce a birth control app, the first to receive FDA clearance as a birth control app, and the first birth control app to integrate with that wearable device, the Aura Ring. They're the best. I'm excited for you all. Listen, as our listener, you are going to get a discount plus a free thermometer, baby. Use code almost30 at naturalcycles.com to get 15% off an annual subscription plus a free thermometer. That's naturalcycles.com. You're going to use the code almost30 to get 15% off an annual membership and a free thermometer. I loved actually that statement of when you first started in this, you were not someone that was an expert and someone that wanted to just learn through right. it. Cause I think people look at you as such an expert. So hmm. what has been the journey in the 20 years of you doing it? Are you trying all the things you're talking about? Are you, did you have to take a while to figure out what worked for you? Like what's that been mm-hmm. like? Yeah. It's a great question. You know, I would say research is me search. And so I think that we go towards what we're interested in and hopefully we find, and we have a pain point, at least for me, I had a pain point. Mm-hmm. I was having sex and it wasn't always enjoyable. And after I was with a partner for a while, the sex wasn't as great. We weren't as attracted to each other. I wasn't having as much pleasure. I was faking orgasms. I just thought there's no information here about sex. And as someone being who's part of myself and overachiever, I was like, it must be me. I blame myself. I figured everyone else was knew what they were doing and I didn't. So I set out on a journey to find the answers. And when I did, there wasn't a lot of places to go. There was Dr. Ruth who was probably one of the first people to talk about sex. She's about 90 now, and she still is talking about it, which is wonderful. But we're talking like 2003. I started the podcast in 2005, but 2003, I was living in San Francisco, and I started doing like a cable access show called Searching for Sex in San Francisco. So I really started interviewing people, but I found I had company. People were also looking for answers. We had a lot of shame around it, but realized that they didn't really know much about sex either. There was a few books out there, like Our Bodies, Ourselves, and The Joy of Sex. So yes, at the very beginning, I was learning along with if you went back and listened to my earlier shows, it was like me with like mouth agape being like, oh my God, show me this sex toy or how do you have an orgasm? Or I went to my first sex party. I had threesomes. I was in open relationships. I played with things. I would come on the show every week and just talk about what I was going through. And then it's again, they were talking thousands and thousands of podcasts. Yeah. Then I went through a journey of like, okay, I'm going to go back to grad school. I'm going to get my doctorate. And I still 
course, share things. We're talking that was like 2005, 2006. And then I realized I'm starting to kind of learn who I am. And it was more interesting for me to help people once I got my doctorate. But yes, it's definitely. And and also, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But also I'm still learning all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. What were your shame points in sex? So there was pain points, but then what were like your shame points? I think we had a lot of shame around not being able to orgasm. I thought that something was wrong because I couldn't orgasm during penetration. And I assumed that everyone else was. I assumed that everyone else was turned on all the time. And that everyone had more experience than I did. And I was also shameful that I didn't want, I've never really wanted the traditional relationship either until now. It's funny, it's taken me a while, but my upbringing was that my parents were divorced several times with other partners. And that something was wrong with me that I didn't want the traditional route, that I wasn't looking for marriage, family, kids. And I was really looking for a way to just understand myself and understand life and have more pleasure and all the things. And so I've found my way towards a more traditional place right now, but So yeah, those were my main shame points. I'm curious too about being on that kind of path because we know sex is not just about the physical act. So when you're doing all these things and you're exploring threesomes and all different types of sex and different types of relationships, what was your internal growth path like? Like how did you grow on the inside while you're doing all these externally focused things? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because early on it's funny to say right now because it's so not about you could check things off your list and now I realize how that was just so... Again, probably even so a little before, I had a good time before, but for me, my internal path was I really went deep into my therapy. I've always been in and out of therapy, and I realized that talk therapy was no longer serving me. I could tell, I didn't want to sit down with another therapist and share the story about my childhood. And so really getting into trauma work and doing like EMDR therapy, you guys have talked about the eye movement. Yes. What is it? Desensitization and reprocessing going into more meditation. I've been a meditator for almost 25 years, but going more into that, just being more mindful, more present. I'm trying to think my internal process was learning to communicate too. That was the other thing around sex. I have to say that 99% of the problems you're going to have around sex have nothing at all to do with your sex act, your body type, what you want has everything to do with communication with yourself and with others. So I think that coming from a place of being very performative and being a pleaser, that I was having a lot of sex that was more about my partner's pleasure. And I wasn't able to, I think that I could have been in a lot of different kinds of relationships. If I learned to expect that if you're with somebody for longer than six months or a year, that you're going to have some challenges in your sex life. You're not going to want to rip each other's clothes off the second you walk in the door anymore. And you're going to want to talk about that. But instead, I would probably think something's wrong with me. How do I get my desire back? I didn't realize that great sex and great relationships was all about communication and collaboration. Mm. It's huge. Communication is everything. It's so crazy how so little people, and I'm saying this for me as someone that's trying my best to be the best communicator that I can in relationship, we're not taught to communicate. We just shut down, especially about sex. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever, until my recent relationship, talked about sex at all like what you like what I like what your previous history is like what we want to do together and I think Lindsay and I both can agree we talked about this before but our sex at first was very performative Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that was part of our culture or the way that we grew up but it was all for their pleasure Mm -hmm. and it was all for basically from my perspective what they would say or think about me Mm -hmm. like oh she's a freak she's these things (laughs) she's these things but it was never like that I needed to enjoy this or be in my body or even orgasm for Mm. a lot of my life. And I feel so much for women because we've been just so 
you know, robbed of pleasure for so long. And I think most of my like adult pleasure has come from or started with that conversation, even like well before we get to the bedroom. It's like I get turned on like when we're having even a conversation about our intimacy or what we desire, what we like. And I didn't know that was possible. I think I'm someone as like a former people pleaser that I was thinking so much about my questions or my inquiries and how they might make the other person feel insecure Mm -hmm. or might make them feel uncomfortable that I would just lead with my body and just Mm -hmm. get into that more performative state rather than having a more grounded conversation Mm -hmm. so that we're actually having sex with like a partner like rather than just transactionally exchanging. Yes. That's exactly it. So how can people be better communicators? If we're talking about this, us three, as people that know the benefits of communication and know how powerful it is in the bedroom and outside of it, how can people communicate more with their partners so that they can get what they want out of sex? That's, that's a good question. I mean, I would say communication is a lubrication, just so you know that the more you learn to tackle this communication stuff and really get comfortable with it, your sex life will absolutely improve. And I think the first thing is getting very comfortable with yourself first. So the, what are the messages I was telling myself, right? So I had to look at what are my internal messages around around sex, around communication. For example, like you, if I talk to my partner about sex, it's going to make them uncomfortable. They're not going to feel good about it. It's sort of on my own to figure out everything. Also, what was society conversations around sex? A lot of us learn about sex through like a lot of the negative conditioning or the wrong conditioning because a lot of sex is unlearning comes from porn mm-hmm. again not bashing porn there's some really good things about porn but some of it's like that's the only way we're seeing sex yeah. and my body doesn't look like that the way I orgasm isn't like that the way you know if I orgasm at all and so I had to like unlearn I had to think about you know what are the messages so I had to go through that whole internal process and then I just had to start practicing talking to partners about sex and finding partners who had a growth mindset around sex and they're still hard to find so when you said you just started I mean honestly like I'm going to say it, the majority of people do not have healthy conversations around sex until there's a problem. And even then, it's so hard to talk about. Think about everything else in our relationship. If it's like money, finances, are we going to have kids? Should we live in the city or country? Should we, how we can decorate the home? Are we going on summer break? Whatever it is, but we like sex is just like this thing that's shrouded in mystery. And we hope we figure it out. So the conversations around sex are just a practice and they are sometimes very hard to have for sure. For me, it's been a little bit easier because most people I'm dating, they know what I do. But I think for a lot of my listeners too, I realize that they just, it's hard at first, like everything that we've never done, but they're just like, sometimes they blame me. Like I listen to Sex with Emily or they listen to the show together. A lot of couples have emailed me and said, we're DM me and said, we listened to you for 15 hours because it's a language. It's a language of, it, I try to normalize the sex conversation for people because once you start talking about it, you can't stop. But getting over that hurdle, it's like starting any new kind of habit, your healthcare, getting healthier, exercise, whatever. So with sex, it's normalizing the fact that it's something that you can talk about. So how that looks is I would say the basic conversation, the place to start is the three T's of communication, which is timing, tone, and turf. And by the way, these three T's are great for any awkward conversation that you want to have with a partner, but specifically with sex. The timing is really important. So you want to find a time when you are you are in a more relaxed state. You're not angry. You're not like, you didn't take out the trash and you haven't gone down on me in six months. 
It's about <laughs> the timing is when I would say you're not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You're not halt. You're in a place where you think you, it's conducive to a conversation. And the tone is curious and it's open. And it's really just, hey, I thought we should have this conversation about something about sex and hope you'll be open to follow along with me. And just to be, again, it's curious. It's not judging. It's not blaming. It's not shaming. And the turf is outside the bedroom. Believe it or not, a lot of people think, love having sex. This is a great place to have it. You know, when we're cooking, we think like something goes wrong with the recipe, but we're talking about the ingredients in the kitchen. But in the bedroom, you're usually in a heightened state and it's just, it might be a frustration. Sex isn't happening or it wasn't happening the way you wanted to. So wait for time when you are walking, you are driving the car because it's really awkward. I want to acknowledge that it is awkward, uncomfortable for many people. So if you're driving, you're not making eye contact, and I have to say it works. Like my partner and I, we were walking the dogs the other night. He's like, so, thought we should talk about this thing. I was like, God, he listens to me. Like, he's yeah. right. I'm like, I wasn't really in the mood right now, but I can't complain. We're not looking at each other. We're walking the dogs. Okay, what do you want to say, babe? So it was like, it totally, it was, we were calm. We were moving our bodies. Yeah. So, so it is important. a great time to talk about it. Huge. So important. We'll take walks when we have to have like hard conversations with each other. And mm. it's just, it's so nice to keep that energy flowing. Mm -hmm. And also there's something, and I don't know the science behind it, but where I'm able to be more in my heart and less in my mind. Cause I think having yes. the environment around you, moving yep. your body and also not looking at a person eyes yes. is super helpful for feeling into what I'm feeling rather than being so consumed with how they might be taking what I'm saying. I wonder if that's like a co-regulation right. thing or something. Cause it's, if we were looking at each other, I wonder if I'd be picking up on your mm -hmm. you too much where I'd be like trying to co-regulate with you instead yeah. of being in my own experience mm -hmm. and you being in your own experience but yeah I didn't know about turf until we've done that accidentally not knowing it was turf and that was such a game changer where I'm like wow because my thought was growing up that we need to be sitting across from each other <laughs> at yeah. dinner mm -hmm. holding each other's hands or like just okay I need to talk to you and it was almost like principal student type thing it's but just taking the pressure off of having it feel like it has to be so serious or perfect or just like where it can be something that it is like in the car, like, hey, I want to talk about this. Just taking that pressure off of it is huge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's casual. casual. It's light. Yes. I mean, I really want to make it like, hey, so we should talk about like, let's sex we had last night like let's know what we're gonna do this weekend like we have a weekend away like my partner and i went away like what sh what toys should i bring like what should we do like making it light even if it doesn't feel that way i get it but i get it just you want a partner that's going to be a great collaborator in this yes. and eventually it will feel that way on this communication piece if someone has a desire that they're a little nervous to share with their partner how would you recommend that they bring it up in a way that the partner can receive and also that they can remain really in their body and in their truth? Mm, yeah, it's a really good question. So if you start with these, you found the environment and the turf yes. and the tone, I think it's realizing that knowing that it's something that's a little bit uncomfortable for you is good to know that. And then making sure that you've already talked about or that it's just sort of it's a conversation and not a monologue. It's a dialogue that you're sharing the conversation with them, but saying, I really want to be open and talk to you about our sex life using the I statements and sharing what it is that's making you feel uncomfortable, sharing what, why, like sharing, it's more like the who, what, where, why. Maybe it's you want to share a fantasy, let's say, that you've been wanting to try. It could be like, I want to talk to you about something. I hope you'll be able to listen right now. It's something I've had this fantasy for a while. It's, it's something that I saw in porn or a friend told me about. 
And then you want to share why you're sharing it. You know, it could be like, okay, let's say you want to have sex in public, let's say. You could say, okay, well, I think this is a fantasy. I want some porn. And I think that it would be, tell them why. It would be really hot to have other people watching us. And I think for it would really help our relationship and us go stronger because it would be a shared experience. And I think it'd be really hot to see, have other people see what I see in you. Just, okay. And I think we could kind of collaborate on this. What do you, I keep using the word collaboration because I realize so much of sex, we realize we have to solve on our own. So I just want yeah. to say that you are not alone yeah. in your second. And this is just basic communication. Have your partner, like it's called the Imago Theory, can they repeat back to you what they heard? Okay, so what I hear you say is that you have a fantasy, and I know that you've been feeling maybe some embarrassment and shame around it, but what you'd like to do is have sex outside with people watching, and then you get to chance it. Is that correct? Is that what I hear? Then you could say yes to that, but I don't think it's necessarily outside. It would actually be inside, but there'd be other people there. And then you could mm-hmm. say, okay, so say it again. And this might sound tedious, but I really think it's the best way we can learn to communicate with each other in all areas of our life to be great listeners. Yes. We're not just talking, but have you. And then you kind of solve for that. And also, when we're talking about something like our sex life, which can be so delicate and so fraught with a lot can come up for us, trauma, embarrassment, shame, imposter syndrome, all the things that come up that you don't have to have it all at once. It's okay to say, we cover this for today and let's come back to it next week or when we feel great. The other thing is, if you have some like really big thing you want to talk about and you've never talked to your partner, which I feel like that's most people, you don't have to say it all at once. You can start with, I just want to test the waters here. Are you interested in talking more about our sex life? I want you to know that I've never done this before with a partner and I'm hoping that you can join me. I was listening to this wonderful podcast. I realized something we've never done. And then you can see if your partner's game, are they down? And you have to remember that when we're having these conversations about sex, it's good to know that your partner might go on the defensive because since most people have never talked about sex, they might immediately go to, what have I done wrong? I'm not a great lover to you. You don't love my body. My penis is problematic. My body's, whatever it is, they might go on the defensive. So I think you have to say, I'm not upset, not mad. I just think it's something that together we could really learn to be great lovers. And you might have to calm them a few times and just say, and would you be open to it? And let's see what they say. And then you come back to it again. You come back to it again. And you keep talking. You keep learning. You keep growing. But again, I want to say once you get to the other side of it and you clear the runway of all the stress, trauma, shame, and these are the pleasure thieves, as I call them, you clear those out, then you really make room for pleasure. Yeah. And that's what your sex life should be about. Not so much suffering. Yes. Yeah, I'd love to talk about. So the roadblocks to pleasure, would those be the thieves? Okay. The thieves are stress, trauma, and shame. I've identified those as being the things that are stealing our pleasure. Yeah. Do you find that women and men, if we're in a heterosexual relationship, or even if you're in non-heterosexual, do you find that the two sexes have differences in the way that those present and there are common themes? I do. I used to think that we were all a lot different. Men and women were a lot more different, but men are shut down and women, but there's a lot of stereotypes around that yeah. where I think that it kind of does present in very similar ways once you drill down. I mean, stress is stress. If you're yeah. stressed or anxious about work or money or something going on in your life, you're going to withdraw. You're going to disassociate. You're going to, it's really hard when we're in our parasympathetic nervous system and we are in fight or flight to also feel pleasure. Like it's really hard for the two to coexist. And so I think that they do present trauma is a little bit different. I think that a lot of us, we're not even aware that mm. we are in trauma, that we've had a traumatic experience, which by the way, most of us do, whether it's a big T or a little T, most of us experience some kind of trauma that's going to cause us to not be living in our bodies 
a lot of us walk around and our bodies are not a very safe place. Yeah. And so when you're walking around, not loving your body, not feeling safe, maybe having some unresolved trauma, where is the room for pleasure? Like, how are you going to all of a sudden get turned on when you walk in the door if all day long you were literally walking around, not feeling safe in your body, not loving your body, feeling like you don't look the way you want, you don't feel the way you want, and then we're just to be ready to go for sex? How hard is that? We set ourselves up for failure every single day. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. huge. It's, true. it's huge. I don't know if you've had this particular experience, but if you had, I would love to hear but also people that you've worked with, how would you make the body a safe place to be for sex? Breathing. I can tell you a few things. And then I also want to go back to when you meant asked about the things that are keeping us because there are very specific things like medication and all these things that we can talk mm. about, the very specific things that's keeping us from having great plus, but these are like the higher level stress, trauma, yes. shame. How could we feel safer in our bodies is a lot of the calming our nervous system I think that's a big, that's a really big part of it that when, for example, I'll start with breath work. The reason why that works is we are stimulating our vagus nerve and our vagus nerve is part of regulating, taking us from parasympathetic to sympathetic, which is the calming state we want to be in. So I would say that if you, anytime you feel stress or trauma, but I actually do it during sex. So how do I do it? My partner, he knows I mean that, you know, I'll say, God, can you know, I want to be turned on right now. Sometimes we'll start having sex. And I'm like, I don't even know how we got here. Like we're making out, the clothes are coming off. I'm not there. He's like, babe, can we breathe for a minute? He's like, sure. So we'll stop and we'll face each other. Whatever, wherever stage we're at, sometimes I'm like, we'll do this, the lotus position, which is a position where you wrap your legs around each other on the bed. And we'll just look at five, 10 deep breaths. It's an amazing reset. Because mm -hmm. not only, like maybe he was in his phase, like I've got to keep going here and I'm doing my thing, but we just reset and we are immediately in this, we're together. We are calm, we have connected and it's a reset. You're pressing reset, whatever kind of sex was happening five minutes earlier is just like we are at a level playing field and we can start from here. The other thing about breathing is also it helps to, when you start to look into each other's eyes as well. So when you look into each other's eyes and you start to, sometimes if you even just start with eye contact, that can be a place to start you'll realize that your breath also starts to regulate as a byproduct of eye contact. So that's how I start to feel really safe. This might sound silly, but I found that a lot of things, it's so easy to find out what we don't want. A lot of times mm -hmm. the process of finding out what we don't want gets to what we do want. So how I found to figure out what I need to be ready for sex, because there's so many things that make me not in the mood for sex. So if it's cold, if I walk into my partner's house and we started dating and it was cold which it often was he was on the west side i was like i'm freezing the air the heat's not on <laughs> i've automatically my body has frozen Trapped. so i'm in hot or flight i'm contracting and i'm not going to be in the mood for sex at all yeah if the sheets aren't clean if i need the environment i need all these contextual things to be going on for me to feel in the mood and my partner wants that so now i notice like i get home now we live together it's like the space heaters are on and he's made everything he's made the bed and he's I love that because also it's showing that he cares and he listens. And so that makes me feel safe. That makes me feel ready. I know that I am with a partner that I trust. Trust is so underrated. Huge. Whether it's a friendship, a partnership, or in a love relationship, that there have been so many studies that have shown time and time again that women are more likely to have better sex, have more pleasure, have more orgasms when they feel safe with a partner. And it could even be a one night stand. It doesn't have to be or a few months you're with the relationship with someone. But when you feel that I can't quite relax my body, how are you going to be able to activate yeah. your pleasure centers? Yeah.
Like it's just, they don't exist. So those are some of the ways I do it. Trust is huge. That was something I didn't realize when I was younger, like in my twenties where like my body was just like, no, there was definitely a distrust in what this person's intention was, or just if we had kind of a casual, some sort of situationship, there was something definitely going on where I wasn't trusting this person or just picking up on something and my body would respond and I either wouldn't be able to orgasm or I just wouldn't be experiencing any pleasure in sex. And so I just think it's so important as women, especially that we really do listen to our bodies, you know, and trust, mm-hmm. not that this person's bad, but trust this feeling so that maybe there's a little bit more depth that we need to get to Mm. with a person in order to feel comfortable. I think women were like, okay, maybe I need more lube or maybe I need to be more in my body or maybe I need to have more body confidence or maybe I need to put on laundry. You look at all these like things on the periphery, but really it could just be you don't trust the person that you're with. You just don't actually really trust them to be able to hold your Mm. body or your energy. I've had sex one time without someone I trust when I was very young and that taught me I was like I'm never having sex with someone that doesn't see Mm. me and I think as women I think we psychically can tell if a man sees us Mm -hmm. and he doesn't need to see me where he's like I see that's my wife I see that's someone I want to be with for us but when they see you enough to like respect you yeah and like to feel safe with energetically I mean Mm -hmm. there's the the go for me you know, and I think we all have what makes us feel safe might be different. Exactly. And knowing your body, like you were saying, like we we know it's yes. a women's intuition, like, you know, embodiment, that's a big part of it too. We know when you're embodied, when you truly are, and again, embodiment is not a state that you arrive at. You're constantly trying to be embodied, feet on the floor and breathing. What am I seeing in the environment? But that practice of being at home in our body and real like your body, I always say like, is it a hell yes or a hell no? And I was a new thing I've been doing, which I have not talked about this publicly or not. Let's do it. But it's a, so you know, it's like, is it a hell yes or a hell no? I look at something, I'm like, is it a vagina blast? Is my mm-hmm. vagina blasting or is it contracting? So even like little things, like, you know, I will joke about it. Like even my team, like, is it a V blast? I'm like, because you, if you take a moment, you're like, <laughs> am I feeling this right now or am I not? You could tell right away. Uh, yeah. So when you're having sex, when you're thinking about it, like, is this person, someone that you're excited to see, are they making you feel good all throughout your body so you can be present by Or is it making you feel, is it constricting? Mm Yes. And there's just nothing wrong with you. I think, again, I said that and I think we were saying this, but I feel like with women, there's nothing wrong with you if you feel contracted with someone. No. It doesn't mean you're not like a liberated woman. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you're someone that's afraid of your pleasure. It doesn't mean, you know, all of these things. It can just truly mean that this isn't the person that you need to open up with. Exactly. And have sex with. Yeah. That's totally it. Something else I learned that I write about in the book, I was realizing like, I used to think that if I started having sex with someone, it was my duty to finish. I couldn't stop it. That like <laughs> it was starting to give him a blowjob or starting to have sex oh, yeah. with them. It had to happen. Like it was disrespectful. It was like going to someone's house. It, to make him there. finish. To make him finish. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would. I was like, oh, I'm a good girl. I went and I was going to hell if I didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm legit. I've never. I mean, honestly, huge failure. I would cry. Like it was like, yeah, totally. I'm disgusting. Totally. <laughs> I'm ugly if I'd never, if they didn't finish. <laughs> right. Crazy. <laughs> And like, they're not going to finish for a million reasons that literally have nothing to do with you. So yes. let me just say that. Yes. But also, it's okay to leave. But to me, it was akin to I'm at someone's house for dinner and I left before appetizer or left after appetizers. Yes. But I want to say that everybody has permission. I just want to let people know that if your body, if you get more in touch with your body through these practices, you'll realize when it, your V is contracting. Also, sometimes it's, let's slow down. Let's reset for a minute. I feel like this is moving. Like, I wish when I was younger, I would have, you know, said, you know what? I, it's not just a no, it's like a slow down. To think that sex went so fast. Yes. And just their clothes were off. And I was like, I like the kissing. Can we go back to that for a minute? So 
those are some of the things I, I wish I'd known about regulation and slowing down and that we're both driving the ship. It wasn't just my partner in charge. Yes, absolutely. I think when we were younger, just on that, the point of the moving fast, I think in movies you saw them making out, slamming each other against a door, <laughs> rushing to the bed to rip each other's clothes off. It was the fastest journey to sex ever. Mm. So I think that's what I thought. It was like, okay, we need to be like, just totally. moving so quickly <laughs> uh-huh. to have sex and having slow sex almost for me I think felt too intimate for what my nervous system was capable of because exactly. there's an intimacy to slowness it's like because you're choosing you're like I'm mm-hmm. conscious we're choosing yes. I'm conscious we're choosing we're gonna do this dance together and I've realized over time that when I'm speeding through sex it's like I'm foregoing the actual true intimacy of it that mm. is actually the spiritual practice mm. of sex yes. rather than mm-hmm. physical yes so true and sometimes it is fast sometimes it's slow and it's all of it's okay yeah, yeah. totally mm-hmm. i am juggling quite a bit lately <laughs> i have a new baby um six months in and uh we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house and um it's just a lot but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus, and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste amazing unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. Oh, y'all, I am wearing my shorts and my skirts and my dresses and my legs are out and I'm just so excited about it because I have my Osea Andaria Algae Body Oil and it is keeping me glowing. (laughs) It's making my legs and my arms look just so fresh. 
so alive, to be honest, and so young. Um, I love this product. It is from Osea Malibu. They just know what they're doing over there. They've been doing it for over 28 years. Skincare is their jam. It's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and is clinically proven, okay? It's infused with seaweed, which is the star of the show here, and I just love the products. They really work. So the body oil is so rich, but it's never greasy. Okay, and it's clinically proven to improve skin elasticity immediately. It's visibly firming your skin and makes the skin feel more sculpted and toned, which we love. It's so amazing. Overnight, you can do this during the day or overnight. I do it overnight, but I love the Andaria Algae Body Butter because I would just wake up so insanely moisturized. It's indulgent and it's really great for crepey skin. I'll put it on my knees and my elbows and anywhere that's like kind of dry. It's clinically proven to hydrate for 72 hours. It just transforms the skin. You're going to be obsessed. And then finally, the anti aging body balm. Yeah. I mean, hello, silky lotion serum. It just melts into my skin. I feel like it lifts and tightens and tones all over. I'm obsessed. Perfect for summer, baby. So glow from the inside out with clean vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code A30POD at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order. They're so good about that. And free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code A30POD, A30POD for 10% off. I wanted to go back to what's keeping us from pleasure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned briefly, but like a medication, kind of the things that are a little more granular, but that we might not be realizing are keeping us from pleasure. I think, yeah, I I love this conversation because I just feel like people don't realize it's like hidden in plain sight. And so, because we just think, oh God, something's wrong with me. Like, I want to help people like decode it, like, For example, you might not be in the mood for sex or having orgasms because you're on a medication. So many people are on antidepressants, your birth control pill, blood pressure medication. So those are just some things that are like, that could absolutely impact your libido. Mm -hmm. And that's something you talk to your doctor about. I'm not saying go off your medication, but there's so many ways to work with it. And historically, our doctors didn't tell us these things and prioritize anyone's sexual health, let's say women's sexual health, but anyone's sexual health. It could be nutrition, the foods that we're eating. It could be exercise. People are just always very surprised that there's a link between all of these things, which might seem obvious to some, but if you haven't been moving your body, you're eating a lot of foods, it's all because blood flow, orgasms and arousal is about blood flow. So your blood will not be flowing to your genitals if you have not been moving your body or you've been smoking or drinking or doing a lot of things in excess, absolutely going to affect your ability to be aroused. If you have resentments that have built up in your relationship and you just have not addressed it with your partner yet. I mean, another reason why you're not going to be in the mood for sex. Mm-hmm. If you have unhealed trauma, that every time you start to have sex with someone, you freeze, you shut down in your body, you're having flashbacks, whatever. Even it wasn't a sexual trauma, but just just all the different kinds of traumas that we have that you probably are displaying in other relationships, but particularly in your personal relationships. Yeah, unresolved traumas or even just, yeah, resentments with your partner are huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. I think the huge. food thing is interesting. It's also like taking care of your body. Like my sex... And my ability to have sex is directly correlated to how good I feel about myself and my body. Mm -hmm. And that is the movement. That is the nutrition. That is treating my body well so that I can be like, okay, yeah, I'm feeling good. Like, I treat you well. I love you. Like, (laughs) someone else can treat me well and love me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm also advocating for just around eating. It's like we never – I never want to do it after, like, a nice big meal. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Sushi, but, the but best. I have to, was that uh, you that said that? No, but someone <laughs> said sushi's the best it for is. a date because it's light. Light. Yes. Just kind of a few pieces. But I had to kind of start to think about, okay, so you don't like to have sex after a meal. So after we come home from dinner and it's like late mm. night and whatever. So what do I have to advocate for or ask for in order to be able to optimize like when we're having sex and obviously enjoying it? And it was whether it's like first thing in the morning or it's like mm-hmm. during the day, yeah. like on the I weekend. During, during the day. I love daytime mm-hmm. because I have the energy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Night, I'm very tired. Night, <laughs> anytime past six is done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that you're asking this because I. Yes. when is the right time for sex? This is what I've been thinking. Like, we have to reverse engineer this because so many of us are setting ourselves up for failure because we're thinking it's going to spontaneously happen at 11 yes. o'clock at night. Yes. 100%. No, we're in a mood, right? Unless you're like in your, I don't even know when you're in it. Maybe early in a relationship. I was going to yes. say in your early 20s or in yes. college or whatever. Yes. But the truth is, after a while in any relationship, you're like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I just want to go to bed. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So finding the ideal time that is right for sex. So I, you got to reverse engineer it. So it's okay. If you know it's never going to be after nine, it's never going to be after dinner. Have sex before dinner. Yeah. Make the time to have sex before one. you go out, before you walk the dogs, before you put the kids to bed, not after, because you know you're going to be tired. And this is for couples, like, strategize it. But like, in real time, like, I've done this as well in my relationship. I'm doing all these things. I'm like, he's like, okay, so I've come to find out that, like, we get in bed, you're not going to want to do it at 1130. I'm like, never. Majority <laughs> times, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's during the days. It's on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And there's no one saying that it has to be at night. Just because in movies and television, mm-hmm. we see it happening late at night. After a big yes. meal, not going to happen. So I really want to think about it. And then think about reverse engineering and knowing that I definitely want to be sexual and have sex with my partner. What can I do to make it now? I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe it hasn't been, it's been a week or it's been five days. Well, that's not okay. Like, I know that we need that connection. It's not okay for either one of us. So what will it look like over the next week? Like literally planning ahead, yes. scheduling the sex, thinking what is going to be the ideal time. And for a lot of people, and there have been studies that have shown that women are more likely to want sex mid-afternoon, which isn't wow. ideal for many people. But if you know that, then maybe it's a Saturday. Maybe mm-hmm. it's you get a babysitter or you make sure that you have time. And like that counts. That's okay to find out what works best for you and your partner and then to talk about it with them. So they understand. Because what happens when we don't talk about this stuff, going back to the top of this conversation, is that most of us don't talk about it. So we walk around feeling so much... We feel resentful. Mm. We feel shame. We feel like our partner doesn't want us. Because let's say you're the partner who every night they want, they try to have sex with you every night at 11. And you just keep saying no. You say no. And you don't put any words around it. You just say no. Your partner thinks they're not lovable. They've done something wrong. You're mad at them. Or maybe they just resent you because like, how do you not care about our sex life? Are you not turned on? Something wrong with you? So putting words around it. And here's another tip. Instead of just turning your partner down and saying no again, Think about why not and think about when you might want to in the future. You know, babe, this week is going to be really tough. Right now, I'm just feeling exhausted. We had that big meal. Chicken Parmesan does not do well with sex <laughs> for me. But I'm thinking that Saturday night, we know we're going out for sushi or we know that we have a late reservation. Let's try to like shower, get or not shower, or shower before, whatever it is. Let's try to like have some time between five and eight where we can just hang out around the house, maybe build a fire have sex, and then go to dinner. Wouldn't that be so fun Saturday night? And like get them going like, okay. Yeah. So they're not going to try again on Thursday. They're not going to try again on Friday. You're not going to feel bad and resentful, but you've made it clear that it's intentional, that it's a priority for you and when it's going to happen. Yes. So setting expectations. I love that too. It's like painting a picture. Yeah. Yes. And it's so important. I think some people might be listening to this and thinking like, oh, it's taking the sexy out of it. It's taking the spontaneity out of it. Mm-hmm. 
but really like I found it helps so much Mm -hmm. because it's taking the guesswork and kind of the unsaid out of or the assumptions out of your partner's mind the partner might be being like man like maybe I just don't do it for her anymore or vice versa and to have that clarity Mm -hmm. and even if it might seem a little like planned and scheduled once you're in it, you're like, fuck yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is I great. Know. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Right. And you can schedule it. You don't need to schedule what position you're doing or like what you're <laughs> yeah. saying or like what you're wearing. It's like, we're just giving this window of time. Yes. And then we can be f- freaking whatever, doing whatever mm-hmm. we want. Exactly. Because sex is an event. It's an activity that takes time. It takes preparation. Yeah. So I want to normalize that. But also, I want to address that. This whole, like, it's not sexy if people really, I want people to take a minute who are thinking that because everyone thinks that. Many people, when I say schedule sex, oh, great. Like, I want to look at the calendar and see, pick up the dry cleaning, get my car filled with gas, and have sex. I'm like, yes. I, yeah. It's <laughs> not on my calendar. It's not <laughs> happening. Exactly. But for some people, like, it's not hot. But really, how hot is it? How hot is it after the first six months to two years where the honeymoon phase takes a nosedive, which it does? That is biology. It is not going to be at a sustained level where you're ripping each other's clothes up every day. So knowing that, is it really that hot, like waiting to see that your partner just surprised you in the kitchen? Like, how often is that really happening? And when you think about the way I'm talking about it, you've had to clear out some of these blocks, but once it's totally normal, like it just feels better. You're just like, okay, I'm being honest. I'm letting you know that I care for you. And that is sexy. And then yes. the thing I want to talk about is the anticipation. Then you get to think about the sex. Then you get to shave or put on your laundry yes. or make the bed or do all, not eat Sense a huge of sexy big text meal. leading yes. up to it. All of it. Yeah. The sexy text, right? The seduction. I'm like, clean the house. Clean the house, right. <laughs> Light a candle. All the things you get Shave to prepare my legs. so ready. A hundred percent. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Especially for women. I think men less. But I agree with you. Like, having that clarity also helps break that psychic energy that I think you have a lot in relationships where the man is like, okay, when is it? When are we going to do it? You know, when I've been in heterosexual relationships, it's like, when are we going to do it? Yeah. And so it, it helps them, what I've experienced, feel more confident that you're not going to reject them or you're not going to say yes. no or anything like that because we both have this mutual understanding mm-hmm. for when we're going to be intimate together. And yeah, you can really have the buildup, which is so nice. Mm-hmm. It really is. That can't be underestimated or underrated how much that that anticipation builds to our arousal. Mm-hmm. Love it. I want to talk about the sex IQ, the five pillars to sexual intelligence because right. this is something special and new that you've been working on and writing about. So what was the inspiration behind it? So the inspiration behind Sex IQ was in writing the book, Smart Sex, it was really about just like, let me get everything that I've learned almost 20 years of doing this work on paper and divide it into place that I can just kind of give like my best tips, my best advice so people can have it in their hand. And that was great. And I love that test. But when I was writing it, I was like, I really want to empower people. Like, how is it that every day after 20 years, I'm still getting the very same questions? Like every day there's someone who has an orgasm who feels bad that their partner wants more sex than they do or they want more sex than their partner. Someone who feels shame about their body. Someone who doesn't know how to talk to their partner about sex, like doesn't know how to ask for they want. It's literally tens of thousands of questions that have been the same. What if I can't always be there? I can't always be there answering all the questions. How can I put the power in people's hands to be able to answer their own questions about sex? I had a download, I was writing the book and I was like meditating and all of a sudden I saw these five pillars and it kind of came to me of how to divide them and put them on down. And it was, I divided it into these five pillars of sexual intelligence. And sexual intelligence is not about arriving to a place where you are checked off the list, I'm done with that. It's something that you are 
consistently like kind of working at and balancing and that's okay too. It's like your health, right? You're never just like, I arrived to this healthy place. I drank enough water today. I worked out. I took my supplements and, I, and then the next day you don't. So that's what it is about sexual intelligence and sex IQ is monitoring it. It's a new paradigm for thinking about sex. And I can give you an example of how to like look at them. Love that. So. What are the pillars too? Okay, so the pillars, the first one is embodiment. So how embodied am I? Am I aware of what's happening in the moment? Do I have a sense of knowing what I'm feeling? Am I connected to my body? Am I able to do that during sex? Or do I disassociate? So am I an embodied person? And I give exercises for people to become more embodied. And then the second one is just health, your mental health and your physical health. Are you taking certain medications? Are you moving your body? Do you have unhealed trauma? These are all going to impact your ability to have more pleasure. Yeah. The third one is self knowledge. How well do I know myself? And I keep notes in my phone. I encourage everyone to do this as well. But do I know, like I said, do I know that it has to be warm in the house? Do I know that I like dirty talk or I don't like dirty talk? We all have knowledge about what's worked for us sexually and what hasn't worked for us. So how well do I know myself? We all have years of knowledge forever. How long we've been having sex? Do we know and acknowledge what we need to do about ourselves to have great sex? Do we understand our patterns and what feels good? Then the fourth one is Self-acceptance. Do I accept where I'm at today? Do I accept my body at least the best that I can? Do I work on my confidence? Do I look between my legs? If I just take in a mirror, if I accept my body, do I know my body? And then, which again, is always a moving target, but these, all of these things, we just try to get them a little bit higher all the time or work on them a little bit so we can be at a place where we can start to have more pleasure. And then the fifth one is collaboration. How well do I communicate with my partner what I want? Without shame, how well do I work on my resentments? Am I clear? Do I articulate? Do I have a partner that's willing to come along the journey with me? So those are the five pillars. And in the book, I give a lot of tools and exercises for people to master those or get deeper in those so they can work on becoming more sexually intelligent and aware and present. And so if someone is feeling just off and maybe just wanting to experience more sex, more pleasure in their relationship what they would do is run through and just do a little mm -hmm. bit of a check on the health of each one of these pillars. Exactly. That's okay. exactly it. And I do it myself. And I keep using these examples because I wrote a book for myself, for someone that I would want to do it for people that I know. That's just like, there have been times with my partner, I'm like, I'm not in the mood for sex. I'm rather thinking like all the things that I might think of, thought of before. Now I have a controlled way to think, okay, so am I ovulating? No. Not, you know, I already have a period, so that's not it, because that could also impact it, knowing your cycle. Sure. But that's part of self-acknowledge. Oh, every time I get my period, I'm more turned on or less turned on or more wet or less wet. How well do I know? Okay, so no, and I'm good. Okay, so I know that. And I'll run through the things and I'll think, okay, am I healthy? I work, because for me, working out is big. If mm -hmm. I worked out today, that's great. Okay. Self-acceptance. Oh, God, I haven't been feeling great in my body lately, let's say, or I've noticed that there's been like a change or I have some whatever's happening. So maybe that would be one of the things that I just haven't been feeling great in my body. Or maybe I have resentments because I haven't collaborated with my partner lately. So I might just run through them and I might think, okay, so health and wellness is good. I've checked my medication. I've been working out. Let's just say that. My first one is embodiment. Yes, I've been meditating. I'm feeling good. And then I might get to collaboration, the fifth one, and say, wow, you know what? I'm not feeling attracted to my partner right now. Is it me? Is it him? Oh, you know what? I'm still resentful because of what happened last time we had sex or last week when this thing happened. And then I'm like, that's the loudest right now. Let me work on that and then see if my libido comes back. Then let me see if I get more aroused. 
So I do that. I can do that with my partner. And this is just a tool that you can work through. Be like, why can't I? For example, like you could come to me and say, I can't have an orgasm, which happens often. For every person, everyone would have a different reason why they can't have an orgasm, right? Everyone has to solve it for themselves or definitely call into my show. I'm still there for people. But it's, it's like if someone has anxiety, I might tell one person might be helped by doing a meditation practice and the other person needs to stop drinking caffeine. They might need to heal a toxic relationship at work and then they have less stress. So again, it, there's not a quick fix for any of these things, but with sex, because there's still so much mystery around it and so much misinformation. Like if you Google it, it's really hard to get sex, accurate sex information or quick bites on TikTok. So it's a more in-depth psychological process to help people get the quick fix that they want. I can see our amazing community of perfectionists also <laughs> looking at this and being like, well, I'm not embodied. I'm not self-accepting. I'm not, I yeah. don't know, you know what I mean? I'm almost thinking incorrectly that they're not doing any of these because the bar is perfection. Mm. With the health thing, I could see them being like eating super well, and but it's not enough. And then mm. bringing that to this again and using it as a way to be like, I'm still not Mm, I love that you said this because I, I go through this as well. And but this is an area that's so new to people that they could feel like, oh, great. Now I got to get all embodied exactly. every day. It could be like, I'm going to take five minutes to meditate in this. It could be your embodiment could be like, I'm going to be with a partner that before I see them, I remember to breathe. On the way here, I have a breathing app I do for three minutes before I do something or perform or talk to somebody or it could be like, I'm going to get embodied for three minutes. I'm going to breathe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 10 deep breaths. That could be it. That could be it for the day that you breathe. The second one could be like, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I'm in therapy right now. I'm actually talking to somebody. So that feels pretty good for me for my mental health, my physical health. Yeah, I worked on work this week that I didn't. That feels pretty good. So I'm telling you, I am not perfect at this. I do this all the time for myself too. So you don't get to a place you never get to check this off the list. You're never there. So I would just say at least being aware, because I guarantee you're listening right now and there's something that in your life, like you're not feeling turned on, your partner's not doing it for you. So even just tackling one of these and yeah. saying like, maybe it's more about like knowing that these are five factors that you could work with. You could just say, I realize that I suck at all of them right now. I feel that I do. But the one that hurts the most is collaboration. Maybe you look at all of them, you're like, not embodied. I'm on too many medications to feel anything right now. <laughs> I hate my body and I'm not, but collaboration is the worst because I realize that my partner and I have never talked about sex. Mm. So I'm going to tackle that one. That's the one that hurts the most though, because I feel like if I could only talk to my partner about, so maybe that's the one you look at today. And then you start to slowly get more self-aware around all of them. Yeah. Kind of that. flip it any way you want. It is. It's like, yeah, it's like looking at what is the worst or it's like what, you know what I mean? From yes, both perspectives, you can really- and I'm sure can really say that one can support or help they to do. increase the other. Yeah. They're all linked Huge. to each other. They're all linked. So that's part of the book. That's one chapter. Then the rest is my best tips for oral sex, anal sex, communication through the lens of how are you doing in all of these different pillars. So let's get into it. It's all it. the things. Yeah. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> I had a question just about, because you brought up an example and what we were just talking about about attraction to a partner. And so I'm curious if someone is feeling less attracted to their partner all of a sudden, or maybe it's kind of been a slow build, whether their partner has changed physically or maybe in other ways, I guess, what would you recommend the someone ick. do? The so ick. Mm -hmm. The ick. I love how you just cut to it. Both the ick. So good. The ick is real. 
But the ache is not one thing. It's usually not what you think. Yeah. So maybe, yes, your partner's, their physical appearance has changed a little bit or they said something that really annoyed you. But you know the ick come is compounding a lot of factors. So that's when you get to kind of unpack it and think about, first of all, what's your part in it? Because you always have a part. It's not like your partner just all of a sudden changed. Sometimes that's convenient. But I think there's a lot underneath it, the ick. And again, these pillars can help you too to look at like, well, what is it? What haven't I said? What haven't they said? And also, let's say it is the appearance thing, because I get that a lot. Usually there's an underlying thing happening. Maybe your partner was really in great shape taking care of themselves, and then you realize that they stopped. They've lost their job. They've been on the couch. They've lost respect for themselves. And then there's a world that they're not showing up for themselves. They're not showing up for you. And so then you might have start to lose a little bit of respect for them, but you still love them. So you might be looking at the appearance part of it, but usually it's something else going on. So how can you be a better partner for them? I think it's a lot easier to just ick and go with that and leave a relationship than it is to stay and work. And one of the greatest lessons I learned in therapy in my early 30s was like I had a pattern of being in relationships and always wanting to leave the second it got. That's one of the reasons I started this. I was like, when I'm not attracted to the person, I'm out. Like I really did not know. And we're talking like 32 years old. I did not know that pretty much every relationship, there's going to come an effect. There's going to come a time where you are less attracted. You're not in the mood for sex. It's not going to be as hot as it was in the beginning. But I thought it meant that you bailed and looked for something shinier and prettier. And then my therapist was like, why don't you stay a little bit? Stay in the discomfort and work on it. And I had already been in therapy for years, but I didn't know. I'm like, leave. It's so easy. So sitting in the uncomfortability, going deeper, what is this? What's going on? And then I always like, you don't want to leave a relationship until you know that you've literally done everything because mm-hmm. that's where the real learning and the real lessons come on it's very easy to leave it's a lot harder to stay but you're going to get such deeper profound lessons so true huge very true yeah in my last relationship i was like i'm going to turn myself inside fucking out yes. until i figure out so that i'm not repeating the same lessons and using this as like the ultimate playground for my growth and expansion because it's so ripe for that it's like the most important thing but I was thinking about the ick and I was at first when I heard about the ick, I was like, I don't think I've experienced that. And then I was thinking back to ex-boyfriends and I had the ick with someone. I didn't have the ick in my last relationship, but I, there was still the connection and the desire there. And the ick came for me in relationships where either there had been infidelity or there mm-hmm. had been lying or there had been something where I actually emotionally left and then physically was like leaving where I was like, oh, I actually no longer trust you or I no longer feel like this relationship is going anywhere and now you're just like disgusting to me <laughs> usually it's compound yeah it's yes, compounding yes. so much sense it never was physical for me it was always like yeah you're no longer a man to me you know you're no longer mm-hmm. in this role for me as someone like i desire yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah kind of sad though it's kind of sad because i feel like the ick is discussed in the lens of women looking at men and actually like a way to look down and degrade men. But I think if men were talking about women with the ick, I don't think that would fly right now. It wouldn't. Yeah. It really wouldn't, especially People would be right like, now. oh, fucking. It's yeah. just not that I'm saying we should be saying the ick for others, but it's just an interesting thing because I'm like, I've only heard women be okay to talk about it about yeah. men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that with this stuff. But yeah, you're right. It is. I, I love you said about turning yourself inside out because I think that's such a great lesson before you get the ick. When you get the ick, I think it's you move towards Beyond. it, not away from it, right? Yes. How can you because then you know you did everything but how much do you learn from that so going much deeper because it also helps you in other relationships too it's huge realizing it's like huge that i don't like our greatest work because it's all you relation. you know it's yes it's you it's not the other person and 
even if the other person isn't our participant, you can figure out and see what this is showing for you and what this is bringing up for you. But in the end, I had to stop turning myself inside out because I was going to die and bleed <laughs> out. <laughs> so I had to take the power right. back there. But I do think it's a really good practice for people within relationships to actually stay long enough to really understand the lessons of it rather than to go because it will most likely come up again mm-hmm. yeah. over does. time. It does. That the right. lessons that are, you keep repeating them over and over and over and over again until you're like, okay, enough. I'm going to learn lessons right now. And I think that was a lesson I was saying is that I would just go from one to the next and I would have kept doing that until I was like, okay, you got to stay. And that's how you switch the patterns. That's wow. how you stop the patterns. Yes. You and stay. that is this relationship or ones before? Before this. Before this. Okay, Years before I started this show too, I just would go from one to the, when finally when the therapist was like, can you stay and kind of figure it out? Wow. And I was like, really but there's all these reasons why it's wrong and it's not going to work and eventually it didn't work but it, i stayed longer than i would have and i learned so much in that yeah. just again i had a part in it imagine that like if you think that you don't have a part even if someone cheated on you yeah even if someone did the most horrific thing you have a part in it 100 mm-hmm. you 100 you are there there's 200 relationship and that is like right now i just want to say to you like Get into therapy if you think that you've never been fallible, you've never Truly. had any part in any relationship, whether it's a friendship, mm-hmm. whether it's a work relationship, whether your boss was crazy and all these things, like you also have a part in things that have happened and in every relationship because you are in relation to someone else. Yes. What about me created mm-hmm. this experience yeah. or yeah. what within me or what wound, et cetera, within me created mm-hmm. this? Yeah. So many wounds. Which is so little time. I know, literally. <laughs> before we talk about non-monogamy, I wanted to ask about your journey and path. You've tried a lot of different things. What has been something that you tried that didn't work for you? Mm. Whether in it was relationships like, or in sexually. relationships or sexually. Um, where you're like, okay, I'm going to try this because this is kind of my show. This is kind of my thing. And you were like, this is absolutely fun. not for me. I would say what didn't work. I mean, I guess at the time, being in an open relationship yeah. worked until it didn't. And it was just like really fun at the time. I was really busy and I was dating a guy for like a year and we were open and seeing other people, but I just realized that I really love intimacy and I love the safety of a partner, like one partner. And I wanted a lot more depth with somebody if and when I ever was going to open it up. So I think I did it in a way that was like, oh, we're casual and we're each other's primary. And it just didn't work for me. Yeah. So I would say that I, I just, I love relationships, which I didn't in the past, but now I really do. Mm-hmm. I love being in relation to someone. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these Superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions 
questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just, I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. Talking about open relationships and non-monogamy. I think it's something that's so popular now and it's something that people are so curious about. I have friends that are open and married. I have friends that are non-monogamous. I have a lot of people that are exploring that type of container. What would you say about it? I guess for someone that's completely new to it, what is it? So what we talked about is we call it consensual non-monogamy, meaning that you're both consenting to being non-monogamous. It is not an excuse to cheat. People think, oh, great, you just want to be non-monogamous because you I, mean, I can't tell you I was posting my Instagram. You're like, oh, yeah, for cheaters, for sex addicts. It's literally for people who are like, the people who are the most successful at being consensually non-monogamous being. There's all these different ways to do it. You could be open. You could be swinging. You could go to sex parties. You could have only threesomes. There's a lot of different ways to slice it. But it's the couples who have the most trust, the most honesty, they are open about everything and they realize that and they're on a really solid ground sexually people are not opening up their relationship because they want to spice it up you're not opening up because you're bored with your sex life you're not opening it up because your partner wants to and you don't want to the couples who are successful with non-monogamy they practice rigorous honesty they talk about this for months and months and maybe they have a therapist come in it's condensed years couples i know they're most successful have talked about it for a very long time they've weighed the pros and cons they have boundaries, they have limitations. They might say, it can't be anyone that we know. It has to be someone that doesn't live in our city. It has to be someone that we only meet at a play party, which is kind of like a swinger party type right. thing. We can get into all of that. But there's all these different ways. And what I found the couples who are able to be successfully non-monogamous is it enhances their sex life because they talk about everything. Yeah. They find that their partner who they love so much, they experience pleasure in their partner's pleasure. And there's a word for it. It's called compersion. The word compersion means that taking pleasure in your partner's pleasure. I love you know, whether you were there and you're observing your partner of sex with someone else. It gave me so much pleasure to see you in pleasure or to have you come home from this date and see that I wanted that for you. Now, I know I can just see your listeners being like, I am so jealous right now. Sometimes that is the, I go there. I'm like, can I do that? And you're like, like, no, I don't. It would be hard for me. Yeah. I have no, I honestly think in my mind that I could, but I have no idea. Right. Yeah. I, I think my mind just says that, yeah, it's fine, but and it's, I have it's no a, idea. It's a weird, it's like, it's not a jealous feeling. 
what is that? I don't know. I just like you, I just love an intimate, committed relationship. Yeah. And like, I think it's that maybe I'm associating non monogamy with non commitment, which is not true. Yeah, that's, that's true. Thing. So maybe that's what that's I'm true. Kind of feeling. This is your person. So, how this works is they have a primary, they call it primary partners. So, if you are non monogamous, this is your person. Like, you're, you are their plus one, you have children together, you have a life together, or you're going home together. You have all the same rules and all the same things. But tonight, we're going to play with someone else. So you're going to go on a date and I'm going to go on a date or we're going to go to a party. But we know that we're coming home together. Right. There's not, for many, they have rules around like having an emotional connection, which is hard to say, like, how do you stop your emotions? Yeah. But really, connections, strong emotional connections come from consistency and come from frequency. So really, you can say, we're going to have sex with someone else or you're going to have sex, but I it's not okay to text them every day. It's not okay to ask about where they're from and their family. Like it's literally sex and it's playing. Sometimes we have partners who don't want the same things we do. Like maybe I want to be tied up and my partners, I'm not comfortable with that. But if you go find someone who wants to tie you up and spank you, like, great. I know you're coming home to me because we are so solid. We've even written out rules. It's very misunderstood. I mean, think about it other ways too. Like you love working out together but like your partner wants to rock climb and that's like the one thing like you are not a rock climber you're like i love biking so when you're rock climbing i want to bike but we're both coming home and taking a shower together yeah. it's just a whole i mean gotta take people a minute to be like oh wait could that really happen it's not cheating it's not non-committal it's not like oh god hope they don't fall in love with someone else like i mean of course that could happen but really when you have these rules around it and i do have this i was telling you guys that i it was the last chapter in the book that I was a little bit late with it because I was like, I've got to get this in here because there's such a heightened interest around it and a lot of misunderstanding around it. And people get to decide. Because think about it this way. We didn't get to choose monogamy. That's really the only thing that we see. We're like, two people, you're a man and a woman and you walk down the aisle and you're committed for life and go, ha good luck figuring out wanting to have hot sex with each other for the next rest of your life and all these things. But for many people, it doesn't work. If 50% of marriages end in divorce and half the people stay together are unhappy, like, I'm just saying, let's take a look at what else might be out there. Be open to it. And that might help a lot of the suffering that people have around pleasure. Mm -hmm. For you, what was the moment where you were like, I don't know if this is going to work for me? I think it was just... Honestly, I think it was like a time thing. Yeah. And I was like, I don't have a lot of time to be dating right now. And when I am... I want to be with someone that I know is there. And I didn't like, I don't want to be out having sex. Totally. A bunch of people, I can barely have time for this person. I wasn't in a time in my life where it really worked. And I think the person wasn't really right for me that I was doing it with. Yeah. Just that's what it was. That's what I always think about. I'm like, the time. Of who's like, got time? Who's got time? Truly. When people are like, I've got two doms and I have three <laughs> girlfriends and I wouldn't right, know where two, to... three subs or whatever. I'm like, how do you, what do you work? Do you send out like a smoke signal? Yeah. To people? Is there, I, I'm there's curious, apps, like, probably. There... There's apps. There's oh, some great okay. apps. There's an app called Field. I've heard the best things about Field. Oh, wow. Yeah, so people many people really love Field. I know love Field. Cool. Apps like Bumble and Tinder have like, like another, par another part of it. Yeah, like another part <laughs> of the app. Who was it that said they did something at Air One? There's someone oh. was telling us recently that Oh, there was like someone, a singles, that, yeah, like a, a singles night at Air One and you like say you want soup or something. <laughs> oh, people there. Oh my gosh. Like, I know about it. Yeah. No, I'm just I don't. Kidding. I'm just do, kidding. What do they say if you like a pineapple on your lawn? Like a pineapple. Right. I've heard that too. The pineapple. <laughs> then it's like obvious Florida. you're a swinger or something like so that. Sort of, you're a swinger. I think here's That's the other fun. thing. When you're in, you live in cities and not all cities, but I have to tell you, I have a lot of listeners like in cities that you wouldn't, you know, that I thrive. I remember someone from Tennessee once called me and was like, 
we had sex with eight people last night. I'm like, that was a good time. How did you know? Wow. It's like anything. Like you have interest, the teacher will appear. You're, yeah. you're looking for something. Maybe there's a sex toy store in your city. Or maybe there's one person that you know that you met at a party once who said they were going to a play party, as we call it now, which is typically parties that you have to be invited to, and they're for couples and single women. Usually it's not just for single men. But if you are really curious about this, and also go to my website at sexwithemily.com. We have tons of places, articles, and podcasts about this, how to find a third. And But once you get into it, you'll find that you'll pretty much be able to find what you want, especially now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like people are very open. Will you say one indicator that a couple would be good for this type of container and one indicator that they're not? Okay, that's a great question. I would say the couple that has, they love their sex life. They continue to work on it. They've really worked really hard at fulfilling each other's fantasies. They've talked about fantasies. They don't have a lot of jealousy. They're not like, were you home late? What were you doing flirting with the, I saw you flirting at the cashier. You don't have a history of jealousy. And you've had really growth mindsets around sex. And you've maybe both talked about like having a threesome. And it was, and you maybe you practice during sex, like being like dirty talk. I was like, dirty talk your threesome, like dirty talk your fantasy. And you've been able to like successfully say like right now I'm picturing us and there's another person here and they're doing this thing to you. You felt okay with that. It turned you on. Or maybe mm -hmm. you found some porn that you, I love this exercise for couples, like find each fucking porn scene that you both find hot and plate for each other. Because not only could that be titillating and turn on, it'd be great for some foreplay and some getting yourself both in the mood, but you're going to learn from each other. Like couples who have been open sexually and they've talked about boundaries again and that would be a great couple to say, like, why don't we go to a local play party? Why don't we just go and see how we feel just watching other people? And then you just have excellent communication and you're open to this. And you both want it. Because let me just say this. It's the, when couples call me and they're like, or one person calls into the show or writes and says, how do I get my partner to have a yeah. threesome? How do I get my partner to open up? You're not really going to get your partner to do anything. What you can do is turn this toward your partner and get curious about what they want. What do they actually want right now? So couples who are able to fulfill each other's needs to the best of their abilities and are really satisfied, then they're more likely to open up. They'd be a great candidate. So who's not a great candidate? There's been a lot of jealousy in your relationship. There's been a history of cheating. You've never talked about your sex life. You've never shared fantasies before. You haven't been able to keep it sustained and hot for a period of time. You have a lot of secrets. You are still shameful around sex. You're hoping that your partner's a mind reader. They're going to figure out what you want in bed. You're actually hoping your sex life is going to get better. You are controlling your partner's masturbation habits. You are jealous around their masturbation because you find it a That's threat. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's a really big one. I used to have that too. I used to have that when I was young too. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I remember in high school, I found out my boyfriend masturbated. I'm like, you've been cheating. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I literally thought it was cheating. I'm like, so you've been cheating. You thought another girl was attractive. I'm going to jump. <laughs> crazy Same. i love that we brought this up because i'm telling you there's a lot of people listening going, oh shit that's not it because mm. I, I had that too at 25 found my partner's porn collection and all the women did not look like me yeah same yeah. they were blonde and i'm not wow. blonde they had large breasts i'm like oh my god we are having the yeah. best sex of our life this is it's such a violation because yeah. i didn't have the understanding that your partner's gonna masturbate yeah they're gonna partner it they're gonna part and you should be masturbating too yeah in a relationship out of a relationship that masturbation is a huge part of being sexually healthy i didn't have any of that information yeah huge it's yes. huge yes. yes actually just on that as a last question like what would you recommend for women especially i feel like women are a bit more timid to have a masturbation practice mm -hmm. how can they carve out time and also just like creatively like have fun with mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. i think it's such a great question because there is so much 
shame around it because again let's get rid of the pleasure thieves if you grew up in an environment where it wasn't okay let's say we kind of clear all that let's say that masturbation is a huge part of being sexually healthy yeah. and until you figure out your own body it's going to be really hard for your partner to figure out i used to think that partners were just they would know they didn't know some of my greatest growth came from me finally saying all right i'm going to do it i think just like knowing that it's about that pleasure is your birthright and knowing that you will learn so much about your body, like take a mirror, look between your legs, and understand that when you start to touch yourself, that you start to become more aroused and gorgeous. You can watch your vagina, your vulva start to swell, like a science mm -hmm. experiment. And also you can give yourself pleasure and understand yourself. So I think one of the best ways to get started is to get lube. I think that lube is such an important part of sex is that there's a lot of shame and that our wetness levels change throughout the month. And so you don't want to use saliva, you want to use lube. And get a sex toy, get a little vibrator or something and just say, I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to calm my nervous system. And I'm going to spend 20 minutes a week, every day, whatever works for you. And I'm just going to get curious and start to explore. I give some details in the book about mindful masturbation, having a mindful practice where you tie it into your meditation. I talk about meditate, masturbate, manifest. So tying into something you're already doing, like I already meditate. I have a vibrator in my shower. Because sometimes I forget too, but I know that here's the other thing is that sex begets sex. So if you're yeah. not in a relationship, what I hear from a lot of women are like, well, I don't need to, or I'm not in a relationship, or why do I need that? That's why, because yeah. we need to keep our own pilot lit. We need to be the source of our arousal. And so the more that we masturbate and become in touch with that sexual energy and that fire inside of us, the more we like know how to control it, perpetuate, and we'll find that we feel more embodied, more attuned, and then more able to find the lover that's going to meet us there whether we're single or in a relationship. Yes, beautifully said. It helped me to understand in sex kind of where my pleasure was actually in my body. Mm -hmm. Just after like my own exploration, it was so helpful. Yeah, and the manifest would be, I guess, you achieving a heightened level of emotional state and being able to like relax into what you're trying to create. What's the manifest Yeah, part? so the manifest part is just I'll, I'll meditate for a few minutes. I will masturbate, have an orgasm at the height of orgasm when you have, I know you guys talk a lot about womb and feminine energy. Yes. Like you are at this heightened state of creativity and arousal. And in that moment when you're orgasming to kind of think about your higher self, what you want for that day, what you want for your life. And there's so much more that can happen in your world when you are in tune with the most magical energy ever, what that is orgasm. And then in that moment to just have a moment where you are already where it already is. Mm -hmm. Everything that you want already yeah. is in that moment of connection mm -hmm. with your yourself, your beautiful Love that. body. I'll orgasm and think about my home <laughs> yes my exactly you're home. in the home yes i'm in the home masturbating in, in my home. thing yeah this has been so much fun <laughs> so much such a pleasure i feel like it's a long time coming mm -hmm. we're yeah. such fans of Truly. you and your work and i'm so excited about the book to come out i know it's a big undertaking so i think people are going to love it and get so much value out of it mm -hmm. so thank you for writing it can you tell us a little about it for the people that are going to get it yeah it's called sex iq how to boost your sex iq and own your pleasure and really it's a manual it's your guidebook it's probably one of the only sex books you'll ever need if you don't have one yet then it'll be your first one and your last one because i cover everything in the book about becoming more sexually intelligent more self-aware and really inviting more pleasure into your life Pleasure is productivity and pleasure is presence. Pleasure is not selfish. Pleasure is not something that you're going to make time for after your to-do list. It's about how to integrate pleasure into your life so it will help you in every area of your life and you'll have more pleasure, more conscious, mm -hmm. more presence. Enjoy your Reframing life. pleasure. Enjoy your freaking life more. Enjoy your freaking life, baby. We suffer so much and Dude. we go along with what a lot of the world wants for us and not what we need for us. So. Yeah. Great
work. Thank you. Oh, it was so one. fun. This you were so wonderful. Much fun. You are beautiful. So you are so talented. All right, guys. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Emily Morse. Again, the book is Smart Sex, and it is out. And if you want to learn more about Almost 30, what we have going on, including the membership and our programs, a little bit about Krista and I and our story, or maybe you just want to grab some discounts from our incredible sponsors, you can go to almost30.com. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate you. We love you. We support you. And we'll see you on the next one. We'll see you soon. Bye.